So we're going to start a, a new series today. Um, those of you who've been here for very long know that I like to preach a series of messages. Uh, there, there's a couple of reasons. One is that I'm able to to go a little deeper because I kind of don't try to cram it all into one one lesson or something. So it actually lets me preach uh, in, on deeper subjects. But it also, I hope, is helpful for you because you can kind of see the framework. And so if you're not clear or if I'm not clear um, on what I was trying to say, you at least can get the kind of lay of the land and, and see, well, there's a gap here. Also, if you're not here on a Sunday or something, you miss worship, then you can kind of see what that hole is and, and you can figure out how to, to fill it in yourself if you want to. Uh, maybe go listen online or whatever. So I like to preach in series, and so we're going to begin a new series uh, today. It's a very short series, uh, and it's called The Benediction. A benediction is a church word, and like a lot of church words, it comes from Latin. It means... Uh, uh, Bini, it comes from two parts. Bini is good, like a bonus is a good thing if somebody gives you a bonus. If uh, you have a benefit package at work, that's a good thing. So Bini is good, and then diction is word. So literally what a benediction is, it's putting in a good word, okay? It, just like you might say, to, you know, hey, be sure and put in a good word for me, right? That's what a benediction is. It's saying, please put in a good word for me. And the way you can tell when a benediction happens in church is is that when we gather for for worship most of what we do is worship we we praise god we say god you're you're wonderful and you're awesome and you're holy and you're loving we 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 kind of rehearse all the things that are admirable about god and then maybe because we we believe in that kind of god we say and by the way here are some things it would be great if you would help out with uh, maybe it'd help me maybe it'd help the world whatever the nature of our prayers are we bring our concerns to god so we praise god a lot and we we pray to God a lot in our in our uh, uh, gathered worship. So a lot of the time in a worship service we're talking to God, but in a benediction, the person who is making the benediction is talking to you. So if you come into a worship service and somebody says you're so wonderful and so holy and uh, loving and kind, those may all be true of you, but they're probably talking to God. So um, so you have to kind of listen and see who's who's the subject being addressed. But if it's you, then that may be the benediction. There's actually another thing we do where the person who's leading worship talks to you, and that is the charge. Last week was the uh, annual meeting, and part of that, I'm sure, the district superintendent, when he was here, he delivered a charge to you. And the way that that works is, is a charge is when you get something that you can take with you to do the things you need to do. So um, if you're going to be, uh, if you think of, you know, my phone, right? My phone is discharged, so I plug it into the wall, and then it receives a charge, and then I can take it out into the world and make phone calls, right? So a charge is what you receive here to take there, okay? It enables you to do the things you need to do. Oftentimes in a church, it's instructions. Go out and love your neighbor. Go out and do this. Go go out and do that. So you receive charges. And if it's not one of those, if it's not either praise or prayer to God or a charge to you, then it's a, probably a benediction. And one of the things about a benediction is we use this kind of weird language where I'm talking to you, but I'm really telling God what to do. And so I don't use the usual verbs that we would normally use. So I don't say, hey, God, bless these people. I'm not talking to God, but I'm kind of talking about God in a way that I want him to overhear and then do something. So I say, may the grace of the Lord Jesus or may the grace of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. I, I say, may it be with you, or I say, uh, peace be with you, or things like that. That's where I'm really talking to you, but I'm, I know God is listening, 
and I'm kind of giving God a hint what would be a good thing. So that's a benediction. So if you ever heard somebody say, now bow your heads for the benediction or something like that, that's what it is. It's a blessing. It's delivered to you, but with the expectation that God would do something as a result of it. So uh, that's a church thing. And you would know all this if you had taken a class in seminary called Worship in the Reformed Tradition. Because it's been a long time. Jesus has been gone 2,000 years, and the church has been trying to think about what to do, how to do worship well for 2,000 years. So a lot of thought has gone into these sorts of things. Sometimes maybe too much thought. Maybe that's what you're thinking now, is too much thought has gone into the question of benedictions. But um, but there's reasons for it. And in fact, the reason that that class was called worship in the Reformed tradition was because about 500 years ago, people did what you maybe just did, which is said, boy, they've been thinking about this too much. Is there some way we can get back to basics? And that's what the Protestant Reformation was. It was an attempt to say, boy, this is pretty cluttered. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Is there some way we can kind of pare this down to the essentials? And what they did is they said, let's look in the Bible. Um, just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it's terrible. But if you go to the Bible as your reference, then you're more you're on solid ground. You know that you can pick things that are going to be good. So that's what they did in the Protestant Reformation. So worship in the Reformed tradition was this effort to try and simplify things to get back to the essentials. And when they were looking at what what sort of blessings are appropriate, they looked at the blessings in the Bible, these benedictions. And what they found is they're all over the place. In particular, in the New Testament. Uh, uh, there are 21 letters. There's, a, there's histories and there's, there's uh, books of prophecy and so forth. There's places in the New Testament that, that, have, uh, that, that are not letters. But in every one of the letters, or if you look at all the letters, um, five of them don't end with a, with a benediction. Uh, they have the praise that I talked about or the, the charge, but um, sometimes there's some greetings. You know, In those days there wasn't mail, so you'd actually say, this letter is from Fred and he's going with, you know, he's going to Corinth or whatever. So greet Fred. Say hi to Fred when he arrives with the letter. That was kind of the idea. So, uh, but, but of those letters, 21 letters, 16 of them have got a benediction at the end. So maybe the first thing to, to, to say is that there's a lot of uh, expectation in the early church that people would be blessed by God. There's just this idea that, that as you hear the words of scripture, as you hear what, what the church is up to, that that part of that would be a blessing for you. We we had a psalm at the beginning of our worship service where where the psalmist says, "One thing I request, which is to live in the house of the Lord all all the days of my life." And the in the early church, they knew that that wasn't the reality. We don't come to church and stay here all day long. We actually go back out in the world, and in the world, there's there's the different problems we face. There's job problems or relationships, the kind of things we talked about. So. The idea in the early church is you would be blessed as you left here. Since you can't stay in the house of the Lord all day, instead, you'd be blessed when you go out into the world. So the first thing is, 16 out of 21 of these letters, they wanted to make a point of saying, and there's a blessing on you. Uh, may God, may, may, may God bless you in this way. The other thing is we see in, in those letters, 16 of them have a benediction. 14 of those talk about the grace of God. So what I want to do is I want to to, to unpack just a little bit about the grace, I'm sorry, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the interesting thing. In the, in the Old Testament, when, when there's a blessing, it's talking about God. In the New Testament, most of the time, the blessings are talking about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, this one we're looking at today is about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit, but that's actually unusual. 
Most of them are just the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're kind of beginning in the main stream of thought in the uh, in the New Testament. So what I want to do is I want to look at this um, and talk about it because because uh, how is that a blessing? How is it a good thing for you to leave here today having been blessed with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what I want to kind of uh, uh, finish setting the stage of talking about the uh, the benediction today by just talking a little bit about grace. My hope is that if you've been here and uh, heard more than one sermon of mine, you've heard me talk about grace, because grace is what we as Christians are all about. Grace is what sets the Christian faith apart from other faiths. We believe in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is grace? Grace is the favor of God. If you go back to the Old Testament, you see there's a... Um, there's a uh, uh, Famous blessing there, the, the blessing that Aaron gives to the people in, in the book of Numbers. If you look at Numbers 6, and don't, don't bother turning, I'll read it. I, I'm reading it because I could never remember it. That's something I learned in worship in the Reformed tradition. I could never memorize the, um, the, uh, ironic, the priestly benediction. It goes this, you may have heard it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So the grace, the idea of grace is we want the same thing that people have always wanted from God. We want God to smile on us, God to look at us with favor, for God's face to shine upon us. We want that. But grace is different because it says to have the favor of God, but also not to have to earn it, that you can have the favor of God as a gift. So the idea of grace is you have the favor of God, but not something you had to earn. And I think there's something in us that resists that, and that's why the the writers of these letters in the New Testament were so um, determined to bless people by reminding them that they had the grace of God, because there's something in us that resists having a gift like that. The word the word grace, literally in the biblical language, is charis, and it's where we get our word charity. And a lot of people say, "I don't want your charity," but that's what that's what the Christian faith is all about. It's saying you have your choice; you can have grace, you can have charity from God, you can have God's gift to you, God's favor as a gift, not because you earned it, but just as a gift, or you can earn it. And I think the writers of the scriptures were very concerned that people would try to earn it. And they wanted to remind them, you already have it. You already have God's favor. Don't try to earn it. And in fact, we we read a passage today from Galatians where Paul says, who has bewitched you? He says, what are you thinking? Sure, you can do that. It's within the rules. If you can, if you can please God with everything you do and everything you've always done and you never make a mistake, then knock yourself out. Go for it. But he says, he says, if you have ever said to yourself, well, that was probably not the best way to handle that. Or if you've ever said, I shouldn't have done that, but I was tired. Or I was lonely. Or I was cranky. If you have ever found yourself saying, I shouldn't have done that. What Paul is saying is then you only have one choice. There's, there's two deals on the table. Absolute perfection your whole life or taking God's favor as a gift. And when the Galatian church was saying, we like the first deal, trying to earn it ourselves, he's saying, who has bewitched you? You're kidding yourself. This is insane. You can't do that. He's saying, what, what are you thinking? So he says that you have to pick you don't have to, but he says the only the only choice that makes any sense 
is if you pick grace, if you pick the second deal. You can have God's favor as a gift and not because you earned it. So the idea here is that you have God's gift as a favor. Uh, uh, you have God's favor as a gift, excuse me. But the, the other thing is that it's an ongoing thing. Paul says in the letter, he says, I have died in Christ, and the life I live now, I live in Him. Paul's saying that the grace we have in Christ is not something just for when we die. Yes, we'll get into heaven. But he's saying, you don't have to wait until then, that this is the life you have already. So when you go out of here, have you ever had mixed motives? You know, I'll help that person across the street because somebody's watching, or because it'll make me look good, or because it's the expected thing to do. Have you ever had that kind of mixed motives? What Paul's saying is you can you can forget all those mixed motives. You just have the freedom to do what's right because you feel like it, or not because you don't. He says you don't have to worry about having mixed motives anymore. You can just go out and live the life of Christ and not worry about trying to please God or please anybody else. So he says, the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's what grace is about, and that's what the benediction is. The first benediction, the benediction we see most frequently in the New Testament, is the idea that God favors you, not because of what you've done, not because of what you're going to do. In spite of all the things you might have already done, God favors you. God's face is already smiling on you. And the benediction, the reason it's a blessing, is to remind you of that, to remind you when you leave here, you still have God's favor out in the world. God is watching you, and God loves you. God's face is shining on you out in the world. I usually try to finish my sermons, and and I am finishing, but um, I, I usually try to finish my sermons by giving people something to take home, right? Try this out. Uh, and, and the nature of grace is it doesn't lend itself to something like that. You say, uh, you know, I, I, I spend the last five minutes telling you you don't have to earn anything, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to perform anything to have God's favor. And then I want to, I want to say, okay, now go out in the world and do something. So I'm kind of struggling. And, and the best I could come up with is this is a benediction, this is a blessing, and there's no rule that says the blessing has to come from me. The blessing can be something you give yourself. You could go out. This week, and I would encourage you, as you go out into the world this week, you're going to have trouble, okay? You're going to have, your. this is the world, okay? This is not heaven. And there will be troubles. There'll be troubles on on the job. We heard about some of those. We There'll be flight difficulties. There'll be integration. You know, who knows what, what kind of problems. The world is full of problems. And what grace says is that the life of God living in you, the life of Christ living in you, will enable you to get through those problems. So remind yourself, this week, once a day, make it a point, some point where you're saying, I messed up, or I should have done better, anything where you're saying to yourself, uh, where, where the focus is on you and your behavior, turn it around and say, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with me. Because that's what the writers of Scripture would do if they could write you a letter today, 14 out of 16 would put that at the end of their letter. It's what God wants you to know, that when the world is giving you lemons and you're trying to say, I don't know if I've got the strength to make lemonade, the life of God living in you will get you through that. So try that out this week. Say to yourself once a day, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with me.
And maybe you can say it about the people around you. Maybe you won't have those occasions. But say it about yourself. Because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. Next week we're going to talk about the love of God. And then the following week we're going to talk about the, the communion of the Holy Spirit. But this is the first. And it's, it's kind of strange that the, the Jesus uh, comes before God the Father and the Holy Spirit. But that's the way the writers of the scripture did it. So the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you this day and evermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the benedictions, the, the, the knowledge that blessing can can flow through us into the people around us. And so, I, Lord, Lord, I pray that you would bless uh, this congregation, that they would um, experience the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would not be uh, bewitched like the Galatian church to try to earn your favor, but they would simply enjoy it as a gift from you. And Lord, I pray that they would experience the grace of Jesus Christ as his life living in them, as they face troubles and heartache, as they face joys and and new opportunities and broad horizons, that in all circumstances, Lord, that you would help them to see the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ living in them. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.